talks, but how we always start is just through kind of coming into our body, um, a little bit of meditation. So I can assume that many of you are seated. You might be um, making lunch or working around the house, but if you can join us in this quick meditation or the office, um, I would just invite everyone to um, join us in this meditation for financial abundance. So if everyone wants to find a comfortable seat, um, feel free to turn your screen off or whatever you need to do. Um, place your pal palms face down um, on top of your thighs. Think about sitting tall here, maybe lift in your heart center. We're gonna focus in on our heart today to um, guide us in that financial abundance meditation. So just maybe relax shoulders away from the ears, close eyes, and take a moment here to drop into your breath. Notice the natural rise and fall of your inhale and exhale, and bring yourself into this present space, taking a moment to let go of anything else that has happened to you earlier today, or maybe earlier this week, and really allowing yourself to be mindful in this moment about how you feel, how you are. When we talk about bringing abundance into our lives, so much of that is rooted around what we actually want. So setting intentions and thinking about our lives in a bigger and brighter way. Yet one of the best things that we can do here is finding a connection to that heart space to really sit in your heart and recognize what would suit you best in your life today. So as you ground your sit bones down, sitting with eyes closed and focusing on that breath, bring your attention right to the center of your heart. The heart chakra, Anahata chakra, is the color green, so it's helpful if it's helpful, you might imagine a bright green light right at the center of your heart. Rest in that space for a moment here. Focusing on your breath, thinking about your life right now, what you do on a daily basis, maybe the people you surround yourself with, your work or your family or friends. Think about what you have right in this moment. And then take the opportunity to think about what you might want to bring into your life. And this can be anything of all, anything at all, of course. Um, but try to be specific. So think about what intentions you would like to manifest to bring in. And with your eyes closed, use your visualization skills to really picture your life exactly the way you want to have it. Take a minute here to really experience that. And if you notice that your mind wanders somewhere else, no judgment, just come back to this specific visualization, this intention of bringing abundance into your life. So let's try that together for a moment. Keeping eyes closed and attention on the breath, 
Hold this intention in the forefront of your mind and place one hand over your heart center. Feel the breath expanding the inhalation up into the center of your heart and feel the softening through the center of your shoulders, the face, the belly, and exhale. Hold this intention with you. Breathe it into your body. See if you can really see it clearly. Maybe expanding that intention a little bit wider now. Gently place your hand back onto your thigh and take a breath. Allowing yourself to come back into this present moment. And let it go. See if you can think of a few sentences or a word maybe that comes to mind as you come back into this present moment. Maybe flutter the eyes open. Inhale. Exhale. Let everything go. Open your eyes and join us. So hopefully that will just allow you to come into this space and place and set an intention for what you want. Maybe a question popped into your brain or you could jot down what your sentence or words were. But um, Liza is going to lead us through some questions um, and then we'll end again with some more visualizations maybe in those breakout rooms. But um, yeah, off to you, Liza. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Haley. On a day like today where the market's very crazy, those meditations really help. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Um, yeah, you, uh, everyone, I know a lot of you. Um, I moved to Jackson about um, February of 08 after spending most of my career in Boston and um, New York working in the financial industry. And um, my story is kind of funny because I actually asked for my first share of stock when I was 12 for my birthday, which I have no idea why. I mean, it wasn't, my dad used to read the Wall Street Journal and I'd look at the columns. I'd be like, what's this all about? And I like numbers. So um, that was pretty funny. And then of course later I ended up getting, it was my first job at college in the business and I've been there kind of ever since. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I wanted to try to do today is just Something we do a little bit in the startup intensive, but I've I've changed it a little bit. And if you could, I'd love to just have everyone sort of take a pen and a paper. And we're not gonna have a lot of time for this, so you can always just go back to it later. But I'd well, we can also talk about some of this stuff together in the breakout rooms if you want. But if you could just sort of close your eye, or you don't have to close your eyes, but just think about sort of, you know, what what are the messages that, that you're, you got from your father about money? And just jot down whatever comes to mind.
And everyone kind of got some thoughts down. Um, and like I said, you can spend more time on this later, but now just shift over to your mom. Like, what were the messages that you got from her about money? And then the third question will be, you know, what is the message you get from your spouse? Assuming most of us are, you know, or, or your, if most of us are moms, then your partner or whatever you want to call it about money. And then the last question I'd want you to think about is, you know, how well do you communicate with your spouse about money? And what's your role sort of in the finan family financial, not necessarily, in, not necessarily making it, but just sort of in knowing what's going on from the, I have no idea my spouse does everything to, you know, I do everything he has no idea, you know, to we both know everything that's going on. Everybody, they've got my answers jotted down. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons that I bring this up is because, you know, it's really important to think about when you think about your financial, you know, your comfort with your financial future and your financial picture and your handle on things and, you know, how, what you've learned from your parents is really, you know, has a huge influence. And in retrospect, since we're all moms, how we think about money is going to have a huge influence on how our kids deal with money, you know? And so it's something that I think we all, as moms, want to be more mindful of, because if you think about the patterns 
then you can decide if you like the pattern that you're passing down to your children, or maybe you want some shifts in that pattern, you know? Um, and I don't know if anyone wants to, you know, share here or share in breakout rooms, you know, but um, some of the answers to these questions, like what were the messages, you know, that your dad gave you about money? Does anyone want to share? I'll share. All right. Thanks, Liz. Break the ice. Um, awesome. So my parents were very different. My dad um, kind of preached, don't trust government institutions. Don't trust the Federal Reserve. Um, don't save. He got sick when I was young and he basically couldn't work for a while. And so he kind of adopted this philosophy of like, work hard and then spend. And my mom worked for a government agency, good pension, etc. And her message was, get a good job, get a government job. It'll protect you in a way. And so completely opposite. But now my mom is essentially like taking care of my dad in a way because she worked for the same government agency for 35 years. So very different. And then my husband um, came from kind of meager background um, and he is all about security. He's all about save, 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 invest, invest, invest. And I've always kind of let him do the bulk of things. And it has been a huge, um, like, um, a huge thing in our relationship because I'm kind of like, ah, I don't, whatever, you know, and he's like, I don't, re I don't really respect you in this relationship um, if you don't know what's going on. So I've tried to take more of a active role the past like two years, but I have to say there's like some sort of a mental block with me. I'm just like, ah, I don't get it. Like I have money invested in a 401k um, and I like to see it grow, but I'm not saving all year so I can max it out, et cetera. Um, and I just can't seem to, <laughs> I just can't seem to get over that. It's like a stumbling block. So that's my story. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah. And as you, you know, as we think about this, you know, the, the sort of how you want to move forward in our breakout groups, we'll, we'll talk about that. And also just sort of what are the message we want our kids to take, you know? Um, but thank you for sharing. Anyone else? Even just part of the questions, just maybe just what your mom taught you, what your dad taught you, or or what you took away, right? Because you could have three siblings and you could all have taken away different things, but. Yeah, I can share. Um, thank you. Sorry? I said, thank you. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, my dad kind of, uh, he, he, he taught me that you can always pull it off and that you'll have just enough. Like we would never have more than other people, but we would always be able to pull it off if something happened or that we would always be taken care of. Um, and then my mom took that to the extreme and kind of had this entitled, it feels, I feel bad talking about my mom this way, but um, if she was kind of entitled to be taken care of. 
So I have to um, be careful of that as well. Yeah. And I took this class called the Millionaire, Millionaire Next Door, the Millionaire Mind. Have you guys ever heard of that? And they had us go through this and to realize that um, my dad would always tell us we'd have just enough kind of um, set my thermostat at always having just enough in my bank account. So I need to max, I need to max that out like your 401k. Thanks, Natalie. Uh, anyone else? So it's fascinating, isn't it? Like how different everybody is. Kirsten put a fun, her, I don't know if everyone can see that in chat, but I'll read it out loud. My parents had and still have contradictory messaging around spending. My mom is the saver and my dad is the spender. I've noticed how much their emphasis has evolved into protecting their money so they can pass it down to children and grandchildren. And yeah, we do evolve. And I've, um, and part of the evolving comes from this sort of more, if you will, mindful thinking about behind how do we get to where we are and thinking about money, you know? And um, so anyone else want to share? say a couple things um I so both my we didn't we didn't have a lot of money growing up so in my message from both my parents who were divorced was there wasn't ever enough don't you know be really careful spending it like I feel like I got the message and I don't know if this is <laughs> actually message that they were giving me but don't even like hover open the refrigerator because it's energy we then have to pay for my parents were divorced, so there was, you know, fighting. Rach, tell your mom, your dad, that he owes me money. So I have this really skewed, um, bad relationship with money, and I never feel like I can spend it. I don't feel like we ever have enough. I've, and I'm passing this down to my kids. And, I mean, Jackson's Jackson. You know, there's a variety of means here, and there are some who are extremely wealthy, and my kids see that. Um but they go to the place where say, they, say, they say they're poor. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you have no idea. So, uh, you know, obviously I am passing on. I'm not, do, I'm not doing it well. It's not healthy. I don't have a healthy relationship. And that's, um, so I'm, I, I had no idea what, what I was coming into with this talk, but knowing <laughs> that, you know, I, anyway, I, I'm, I just think it's great that you started with this. Thank you. And thank you for sharing. Yeah, it's just fascinating how everyone comes from a different place. And, you know, the more we think about how we got there, the more we can decide if that's how we want to move forward or not, you know, and, and how we can go about going, you know what, why am I holding on to that? Because it's really not real, as Rachel's sort of saying for her and her kids, like, it's really not real. So why am I holding on to it? And then, you know, thinking about how you can move forward if you want to, you know, or how you can change the message for the next generation. Um, so that being said, that's kind of my little mindfulness piece about it. And now I want it to be a little more practical um, because, you know, a lot of you guys might have questions. Um, and some of the questions that I, um, I have a bunch that are very typical if, you know, nobody has any, or if you want me to start. Um, 
but if you have any, I'd be more than happy to, um, you know, start with your questions. And they give me anything across the board, so. I have a question, Liza. Yeah, Amy. Hey, how are you? Hi, good, thanks. Good to see you. Thanks good for doing this. So uh, my parents have recently passed in the past um, six months. And I'm sorry. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, and um, there were one of six. And so my parents are splitting up the inheritance in their will um, between siblings, spouses, and all the grandkids. So um, I was just wondering what my communication should be with my children. Um, I have a 17 and a 12 year old. They're not getting a lot of money. Um, I think it's 25,000 each, um, but they've been asking and I've been kind of like downplaying it. Um, and I just wanna know what you would advise on, on how that should Oh, and that's so fascinating. You know, I, I have, it's really interesting. I mean, I have a lot of clients who, you know, their kids get their whatever, their trust at 18. And then I have clients who don't tell their kids about it until they're 30 or, you know, older. And some of them um, tell them about it, but they don't have access to it or they have access to it, but it's restricted. So maybe it's just for education or just for buying your first home or just for, and I think that it's a combination of, you know, how well you communicate with your kids about money. Like I have one, one family and they feel they have really great relationship with their kids and a really great um, conversation open about money. And they've given their kids access at a quite early, but they've, they've done it. I mean, they're still trustees, but they've done it with the awareness that we're going to talk about it every year. We're going to meet with Liza every year. We're going to do this together. And if you need the money or some of the money, then come to us and talk about what you need it for. Um, sometimes people will take it in, you know, the spirit of their like your mom and dad, what would they have wanted, you know? And then you can pass that down to the kids and say, you know, my grandma and grandpa really wanted this to be part of your college education or really would have valued seeing you have your first home, you know? So if you want to put restrictions like that, or at least guidance around it, um, then that's one way to think about it. Um, you know, I generally, my, my personal feelings on it are, is if it were my daughter, I would not want her to know that she had a lump of some, lump sum coming to her um, until she was older. Um, because I've seen a lot of people, just friends and people I know who really did have that lump sum coming to them. And probably it was because they didn't have a great conversation around it in their family but they, they just never found their passion in life because they never had to. And now most of these were bigger chunks of money. Um, but, you know, that being said, I do have, you know, I do have clients that are the opposite of that. But again, it's people who really have had good conversations with their, among their family. Does that help at all? Yes, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. 
Anyone have anything to add to that from a personal experience or, or you can, you know, ping me offline if you do. Um, any other questions? They're burning for anyone. See this, this stuff is actually fun for me. So um, <laughs> bring them on. Or if you want, I can just bring up some that, you know, I get questions about all the time, so. Hey, Liza, I'll ask a question. All um, right, who's, it, who is this? this? Is, sorry, I'm... No worries, this is Renee. Oh, hey, Renee, how are you? Sorry, you were on page two of my screen. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm good, <laughs> thank you. Um, this this is um, going to be, I suppose, uh, make me transparent as to how poor my um, investing and budgeting skills are, um, which is funny because I have to run a budget for a whole organization in my job. But for my personal finances, um, I find that, uh, you know, having had a few jobs throughout my career, different jobs, I find that when I make more money, I just spend more money. And of course, that's probably a reflection of the fact that I've never written myself a budget. Um, but I'm wondering, like, is that really the kind of the key thing I need to do to sort of stop this kind of bad habit? <laughs> um, really, I'd rather just live within a certain set of means and then invest my money for my future and retirement someday. So I don't know if that, if I put enough of a question in that, but it's almost like a psychological thing, I think. Well, you know, it's a, I think like anything, it's like, you know, in our lives, we make goals, right? And if you don't make goals around your financial stuff, then, you know, what path are you following? So I think that budgeting really helps because then you know exactly what you make every month, exactly what you spend every month and exactly what the difference is, you know? And then you can decide if the difference is a thousand dollars a month let's just say, you know, between what you make and what you spend, then you can decide, all right, here it is. It's a thousand dollars a month. Now, what do I want to do with that extra money? Do I want to put it in my 401k? Do I want to pay off my car loan? Do I want to um, save it in my savings account? Like, what do I want to do with it? But if you don't budget, even on a really basic level, you just don't know, you know? And so in budgeting, I mean, literally it would take every one of us, you know, and we could, we could do this if you want sometime in a group, but it would take less than a, you know, it could take you 10 minutes to really do your budget, you know, in a quick and dirty way. And so if it's the mind block from some of us that keep us from doing it, then just sort of, making yourself go through that exercise would be incredibly helpful and enlightening, you know, and most, a lot of my clients, they bring me a budget so that they can show me where they are and where they might be able to eke out more savings if that's what they want to do, you know. Does that help? Yeah, that helps. I think I knew the answer when I asked the question, but yeah, that totally helps. Um, and I am, um, thrilled to hear you say that it could just take 10 minutes to put the budget together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you think of everything coming in and everything going out. So it's like, you know, okay, my salary, let's just say my most people, the top line is your salary, right? 
and that's what's coming in. And maybe it's your salary with your spouse. Um, and then it's okay, expenses, rent, groceries, gas, you know, travel, uh, you know, meals and entertainment, uh, car loans, um, you know, any student loan debt or debt you're paying. On. I mean, it's not, there aren't that many things, right? So don't make it more difficult than it is because, yeah, there's always, you know, you can put a little miscellaneous in there for the little things, right? But the big things, you know, and, um, and if you don't know, they should be on your bank statement or on your credit card statement every month, right? So um, how much goes into my HSA, how much goes to my retirement, whatever that is, like, we should, that's why it should take 10 minutes, because I just did it. And you should, you know, if you don't know, you know, I think what would, what's also really helpful for people is I know, you know, setting a time, setting 15 minutes, the beginning of every month to open all your statements, open your bank statement, open your credit card statement, open if you have a financial, you know, um, like a, 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 a savings or a financial account, open them, look at them, you know, if you do that every month, and then you can be more mindful of, wow, you know, I have an extra thousand in my bank account or I have an extra 20,000 in my bank account. What should I do with it? Do you know? Um, and you'll notice things when you do that. I mean, I had a client, you know, who the other day who came in and, you know, he was paying $10 a month per, per bank account to get a paper statement. I was like, why, why are you doing this? You know, but if you don't look, you don't know. Um, so the minute we took that off and that's $120 a year per bank account that he was, and he wasn't, he doesn't make a ton of money. He just didn't notice because he doesn't open them, you know? Does that I'll just add that um, whether it's monthly or weekly or daily that you come face to face with these finances and the more often that we do it, the less kind of intense it might make one feel if we have some of those negative beliefs or values or feelings as it relates to that. I'm, I'm reading or listening to the art of money. Barry Tesler, but um, some of her tips go around like doing that simple body scan, which we did at the beginning, the meditation and just noticing or setting an intention or maybe where you're feeling it in your body. When you start to, when you spend one time a month opening up these statements and looking at it, are, is our heart racing? Are, are we flushed? You know, and then just start to notice how our body reacts. Um, first key is awareness, right? Let's see, there's a, we've so got around. some questions in, in our, what are the red, oh, there was a question from someone not in attendance about saving for kids' college and retirement. What are the tools available and which do you recommend and how much should we ideally put away for college savings and retirement each year? She read somewhere around 15 to 17%, but she said that feels like a lot. And um, the answer to that question is really um, every situation is very different for people. And I would say that if you're not putting away for your own retirement first, then that's not a great idea because the kids' financial aid will not take into as much account your retirement plan as it will their financial 
you know, any money that they've saved for themselves or you've saved for them in a college plan. And so I know a lot of people are putting away for their kids, but not putting away for themselves. And one, you get the tax benefit of putting away for yourself, but two, you have to take care of yourself, you know, so your kids aren't taking care of you. Um, so I really advise people to, I mean, the college saving plan is great. It's especially, it's great in some ways. The problem with it is, is if your kids end up not going to college. If you have a bunch of, if you have more than one kid, then you can swap it between kids. But let's say your, your kid becomes, you know, uh, an Olympic ski racer and they decide not to go to school. Well, that money can't be used for anything but education. And so, you know, there are certain tricky things about that. And you might say, well, I, that's a, you know, education is a huge priority in my family. I know they're going to go. And I have family members who want to contribute. Then a college plan might be a great idea because it can encourage others to, you know, to add to that over time. But I would say, you know, if you're carrying credit card debt at 22% and you're trying to put away for your kid's college, but you're carrying the debt, I mean, you have to sort of think about the cost of money and, um, you know, taking care of some of your, your own uh, financial future first before putting away for the kids. College is, uh, is something to think about. And then if you're someone who tends to spend when it's in the bank account, then maybe that's another reason why you want to do it so it doesn't get spent, you know? But there's lots of different, um, there's no right answer, put it that way. That 15 to 17% that she mentioned in there, like a good guidepost or guideline, I've never heard of that, so I don't know. Is that 15% for retirement and 15% for college saving? Or? Well, but what does that mean? Because if you're making 30,000 and someone else is making 150,000, like that just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, you know? And especially, I don't even know where that number comes from. So, you know, you, you can only put away a certain amount in your retirement plan. You know, if you're putting away in an IRA and you're under 40, you can put 6,000. If you're over, or if you're over 50, you can put 7,000. So, I mean, your max there, you know, your 401k or simple plan, if you have one has maxes too. So, you know, it, that, that 15 to 17% doesn't really make sense to me. Um, But I would say, you know, it's very individual too, depending on, you know, I know some people that are putting away for the kids, but they still have some, you know, they have some uh, school debt that they're paying on. And to me, it's like, wait, you're paying 6% on this debt to put away money, but you haven't taken care of, you know, some things for yourself yet. So, um, it's an individual, you know, there's, I don't know that there's a right answer, but I would say from the, from the perspective of your most, I always like when people have extra cash, they come to me and they say, well, I have an extra, you know, 30,000 in the bank or I have an extra hundred thousand or whatever, what should I do with it? You know, 
And I always start with prioritizing the most expensive money you have out there. So for example, credit card debt is almost always the most expensive, right? And so if your credit card debt is 20%, then why, then that's sort of the top of the list to pay off. And then let's say you had, you know, your car loan at 6%, maybe your mortgage at 4%, or your student loans at 4%, you know, you sort of list all your, your debts to see what's the most expensive money I have out there, you know? And then, you know, I like to prioritize things that have tax advantages to them, like a retirement plan or a health savings account, because that every dollar you make, every dollar you put away, you're getting a tax advantage from them. So that sort of and, and in the case of a 401k, you're getting a match. So it's sort of free money, right? So that's something I would really prioritize, again, over a college saving plan. Does that make sense? Which college saving has, you know, it grows tax-free, but there's no tax advantage in Wyoming to putting into one for your kid. So, um, so I don't know, is that, does that help or has it got too detailed or um, let me see there's a few more questions in chat here um, it says I can't unmute myself as I'm full of preschoolers outside of the classroom at the moment could you provide some intelligence on how much investing and saving should be done for someone who is in their late 30s to be in a healthy place in 20, 30, 40 years. I have a 401k, but that is it. No saving plan and lack of good budgeting skills. Learn from my parents. My current focus is getting rid of debt. I don't think I am setting myself up for success. Um, again, it's hard to, you know, it's, it's hard to generalize that question because I don't know without seeing your budget what the wiggle room is, right? So my first advice would be to make that big basic budget. So you know, do I have more coming in every month than it's going out? And um, then let's say, you know, you make 40K a year and you, you know, between rent and all the other expenses, you have, you know, you spend 30K a year on things that you have to spend on, right? So that leaves an extra 10K. Then we want to prioritize that. And then I go back to that issue of lining up all your cost, your, your cost of money, which is your debts. So car loan, student loan, credit card loan, mortgage, anything like that, any money that's costing you money you know, any things that are costing you to hold on to. And I prioritize them. And then I, I advise before I put into savings, if I've got 20% credit card debt, but I'm trying to save in the bank and it's paying me almost zero, then that's sort of what we call a negative carry on our money, right? Like you're saving at a lower rate than you're, um, than you're paying on your debt. So I always prior, I have people prioritize their debts and the cost of their debt. But that also means you have to go in and know. I mean, a lot of people, and this is where our, you know, looking at our statements every month really helps because you can say, well, I don't know how much I'm paying on my mortgage. It's somewhere around this. I don't know how much I'm paying on my student loans. Well, 
part of the awareness is knowing, right? So know that your credit card debt, your car loan, what the rates are on them. So one, you could potentially negotiate them, but two, you can decide how to prioritize what to do with cash coming in. And it also, you know, I always say it's paying off very expensive debt. And then when you get to sort of a, you get down to the mortgage and you're like, you know, I've refied my mortgage and I'm at three and a half, which is, you know, a really, really awesome long-term rate for your mortgage. But then you can decide, well, three and a half is a risk-free return if I pay that down. But, you know, the market does seven to 9% returns over the long-term. So maybe I'd rather put some of that in the market. But, you know, it's a, it's a, um, it's a different decision for everybody because everybody has a different decision about debt. I mean, some of you probably said from your parents, you know, I got this, I got the message, never, ever have debt. Whatever I do, don't have debt. You know, some, a lot of parents, especially, you know, in the generation that came through, you know, the Great Depression or whatever, had that no debt mentality, you know. Um, and that's another thing to look at, because if your debt, if the cost of your debt is very low, then maybe it's okay to say, you know what, I would like to put some away, put a little more into my retirement account, you know, because the way a retirement account works, for those of you who need a little refresher, is let's say you make $50,000 a year, and you put... Uh, you put 6000 into an IRA, so you put 6000 in away, and instead of paying taxes on the full 50000 if you put it into a regular IRA, you're paying taxes on 44000 Does that make sense? So you're getting, um, you're getting tax, so if, depending on what tax bracket you're in, let's say in that tax rate, you're probably in somewhere around the 20% tax bracket you're saving about $1,200 a year in taxes by doing that. So in that case, I would say, definitely don't pay down your mortgage with the 3%. Definitely put it into your retirement account so that you can get the tax advantage of it and the growth from now until you retire. Did I get anyone over anyone's head there? Um. So let's see. So again, you know, I think what I would generally advise is get that budget done, even the basic budget, and, you know, figure out how much excess there is and then prioritize what you want to do with it. And then create some goals around it. You know, if you sit there and you say, I'm making an extra, you know, there's 10K that's sort of unspoken for right now then make some goals around it. I wanna put $100 away every month. 100 extra that I didn't put away last year, you know? Um, I wanna have X in my, you know, IRA by the time I'm 32. I don't know what, you know, whatever your, um, because that's how you're going and you may not meet your goals, but at least you have them and you can try. And then when you open up your bank accounts that, you set aside in your calendar 15 minutes, beginning of the month, to open everything up and take a look around. You can sort of track how you're doing against your goals, you know? And, you know, I, I always find it really 
hilarious how much people, how much time people will spend on, for example, you know, we work so hard. We work so hard for, you know, what we earn. And yet I know people that would spend hours and hours trying to figure out which refrigerator to buy, right? But they don't spend even 10 minutes a month on their entire financial picture. So I think people don't spend enough time, you know, they work so hard, but they don't spend enough time thinking about um, taking care of it, you know? And if we do that small shift, it can really, it can change things. Um, um, let's see. Let me look at some of these questions. Uh, um, let's see. It says, what are the benefits of hiring a financial advisor? What should one look for in a financial advisor? Um, I think the answer there is, um, you know, with a finance, depending, and it depends on which financial advisor, and it depends how comfortable you feel doing this on your own. If you don't feel comfortable doing it on your own, then a financial advisor is the best place to turn because they're going to help you get started and they're going to help you feel comfortable about the decisions they're making. And that's what they do for a living. So hopefully, they're good at it and they um, can, you know, look at your budget and say, hey, here's what's missing. You know, I noticed that you didn't, you, that you don't have an HSA. Um, why not? And, you know, this is going to save you X on taxes. You know, um, I think the other advantage of a financial advisor is helping get families on the same page because when clients come to me and, I say, would you like to bring your spouse to this meeting? And sometimes they say, uh, we don't really talk about these things. Could you help us do that? And so it's a way to help get people on the same page because you can come to a meeting together. Um, another reason would be that, you know, this stuff's pretty complicated. And so tax laws change and, and the amounts you can put away in your 401k change and, you know, helping having someone help you be on top of that can be very helpful. You know, I think what, what I would really look out for in terms of hiring a financial advisor is make sure you talk to more than one person um, so that you can understand the differences between them and make sure you get someone who's recommended and make sure you really understand the fees that you're paying to that advisor, that they're very transparent about it. And I would also try to make sure that that advisor is a fiduciary, which means they have your interests in mind ahead of their own by law. So like your, like your accountant, like your lawyer, they have to, a fiduciary has to put your needs ahead of their own. So those are, you know, from a basic, um, for a quick thing, that's what I would make sure I would pay attention to. Um, Starting really basic suggestions for how you even begin to have the conversation and learning about your finances for those of us who have fallen in the padding pattern of letting our spouse take care of all the financial stuff. Um, really good question. And I think that um, 
there's a bunch of different ways to do it. And it depends because, you know, these patterns are set, right? And they feel uncomfortable sometimes to change the pattern. I mean, the num I think the number two things that people, couples argue, argue about is money, right? And sort of financial stuff. Um, so some people may feel it's more of a delicate conversation than others, but, you know, for example, you can use something like this to say, you know what, I went through this, um, this, this, you know, seminar today for mindfulness for mamas. And at the end, we went into breakout groups and we each decided something we were going to do to in you know in the next month that was an action plan we could take and my action plan is to start to understand our finance our family finances a little better could you help me do that you know um another way is sort of you know depending on your relationship with your spouse over money is to um you know bring it up in a way that that you know you that says um i'm feeling uncomfortable because i'm feeling like i don't have any control and i don't have any awareness and it's something i really want to learn about because if something were to ever happen to you i need to take care of the kids and i need to have some you know skills in this area could you help me you know so that's another way to think about it. Um, uh, I'm more than happy to brainstorm if, you know, I don't know, maybe any of you have ideas for that in terms of how you broach the conversation with your spouse. Um, and if not, if, the, if those two don't seem to work, I'd be more than happy to talk about it offline. Just ping me. Um, let me look at... Chat. Um, hey, Liza, why don't we do a quick breakout and we'll kind of, um, you can pose that question. I'll send us into breakout rooms and then we can come back if anybody has any other burning questions, Liza. Could oh, sorry, we went one. over time, but no, yeah, you're fine. This is great. What we I would like of... you guys to think about in your breakouts, though, is sort of one. You can, I mean, you can discuss this relationship with money. But what I really, I like action plans because with an action plan, then you can, you know, leave here with something sort of tangible. So, you know, I think what I would love people discussing is, um, hold on, what, you know. What did I learn and what's something I can do over the next month that's going to be a first step in a new direction? Um, and, you know, it looks like we're down to, Haley, it's, it looks like we're down to eight people. So I don't know if we just want this to be the breakout or you want to drop into two. What do you guys think? Yeah, you guys tell me. Keep together? I'd rather keep together. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I'll start. Um, I've had an action plan for about two years. And um, 
I'm coming close to achieving that goal with the help of Liza and a catalyst such as a divorce in my life. So, you know, there are certain things when you have to focus on this or you just want to, or they might be a goal, but yeah, I'd set a goal probably December 31st, 2018 to consolidate my 401k. And um, yeah, that happened um, like last week. So we did it and it's great. And um, Liza's certainly helping with that. But even just to like figure out where your money is and then maybe to move it into one spot. And no, now I can log in and I have an, an app on my phone and I linked my Wells Fargo account so I can send the excess money that was just doing nothing in my savings account over to perform a little bit better for me. And um, yeah, love all of Liza's tools, like um, pay off your credit card debt. Cause I was that person that had the credit card debt and then the savings account not doing anything. So things are canceling one another out, but um, yeah. So my action plan would just be to continue that, you know, oxygen mask coming, you know, into the awareness of this is my future. So thanks, Liza. You're amazing. Thank you. And, you know, I think Haley will tell you, it feels powerful. Like it feels, you get a lot of confidence by knowing and having some control. And I've seen in Haley that that has definitely happened. You know, it's just more comfortable with knowing where she's going. And so it's, it's good. Would you agree, Haley? Yes, I've definitely always felt like that, um, you know, level of independence as it relates to money, even like when a parent, say, passed away. I think this question came up earlier and you might have a small inheritance, you know, 25 grand or whatever that is. You have this kind of weight or, you know, this little chunk of change that you're like, oh, I feel a little bit lighter. Um, but yeah, just really mindfully, um, you know, coming to terms with some of that past trauma and grief as it relates to your your spending or your uh, negative belief around money. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you guys so much. Um, if anybody does want to stay on the call or get more um, information, um, obviously Liza has a great website. Feel free to reach out. Um, I can pass any information along, but thank you so much for Hanging nice with to see you lunch all. Hour. Hopefully it was Thanks helpful. Hopefully I take away at least one thing that, you know, and uh, yeah, it was great to be part of it all. Um, makes me think as well. So thanks everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Liza. Thank you, Liza. That was awesome. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.